0: Today we have a special conversation on the Crypto Bobby podcast. It is with two people that are, in my opinion, uh, some of the smartest folks in the cryptocurrency world, in the blockchain industry, whatever we want to call it. And that is Greg Rocco and Jacob Blish from Alpine Intel. What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a great day, great night, wherever you are watching or listening in from, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Bobby Podcast. Appreciate you taking the time. And yeah, like I said, we have an awesome episode today, had a ton of fun recording this one. It is with Jacob Blish and Greg Rocco, who you might recall from an episode way back in mid-2018 that I did with Travis Kling, who is a crypto fund manager, and that Greg Rocco and Travis Kling episode was one of the favorites uh, from the audience of 2018. So I was really excited to chat with Greg and Jake this time about what they're up to at Alpine Intel, specifically this thing you might have seen around Twitter, TCR Party talk about what the heck are token curated registries what is tcr party and then also just what are the general crypto trends that they're keeping an eye on as as researchers in this space and as people that really are always looking for what is kind of the next big thing in the cryptocurrency world so awesome conversation we'll hop into that in a second but first could listening make you a better parent a better leader maybe a better person, could listening to motivating fitness programs get you fit? Could listening inspire you to start something new? Well, there's actually never been a better time to start listening than right now on Audible. With Audible, you get access to an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivations, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, and many more. And Audible has by far the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. And now with Audible Originals, you get a selection that is even larger with more custom content made for members. Right now, the book that I am listening to on Audible is actually Snowball, which is the uh, biography of Warren Buffett. And it is really interesting. You can tell a little bit why Warren Buffett might hate cryptocurrency, but nonetheless, been having a blast reading Snowball and would definitely recommend you check that one out as well but if you want to get started with audible you can have a 30-day free trial when you go to audible.com slash crypto bobby or the text crypto bobby to 500500 and listen for a change again if you go to audible.com slash crypto bobby or text crypto bobby to 500500 you can get started with a free 30-day trial for audible all right let's hop into that conversation with greg and jake let's roll
1: Sure. Yeah, my name is uh, Greg Rocco. I usually go by Rocco. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on again. Uh, basically, uh, was wrote for a couple of publications in space, worked with a couple of projects on communication strategy, mechanism design, and eventually joined uh, Jake down there at Token Foundry over at Consensus, and now on a team called Alpine over at Consensus.
2: Yeah, I dragged uh, Rocco after meeting him at a networking event over to Consensus, and Came from J.P. Morgan, decided I didn't like banking, wanted to YOLO into blockchain, and serendipitously the market crashed. Perfect timing <laughs> on my part, <laughs> beginning of last year. But we were part of the Token Foundry team, and we've transitioned to a new team called Alpine that we formed, which deals with basically building out marketplaces and systems. So effectively video game design, but for real life, maybe there's tokens, sometimes there's not.
0: Awesome. appreciate the intro guys and for anybody listening right now i think i said this in the last time uh when greg rocco was on here uh but greg and jake were you know probably two of the guys that got me uh definitely helped me out quite a bit in the new york scene when we i think it was when things were really blowing up in like mid 2017 when jake was still slaving away at JP Morgan and Rocco is was writing for 75,000 publications. So uh, good to <laughs> good to obviously have you guys on. But uh, one of the things I think that has been something on, on Twitter in the past, probably a week or so that a lot of people are looking at and like, what the hell is this? Let's party uh, TCR thing. You guys are working on something called uh, TCR party that we'll dive into. But first, uh, TCR stands for Token Curated Registry, and for anybody who's not familiar, what the hell is a Token Curated Registry?
1: Yeah. Um, oh, good. Yeah, now I was gonna say uh, I always like using the example of uh, thinking about if the Princeton reviews top 100 colleges were curated by a bunch of token holders instead of a specialized unit, but uh, it, it kind of a base analogy I try, kind of use. But Jake, I'm not sure if you got a different analogy too.
2: Yeah, it's just a list that a group of people decide what does or does not stay on said list. And generally that's happens through voting with tokens.
1: And uh, to go a little further, yeah, basically it's comprised of three elements. Uh, the first being, basically you have token holders who are basically uh, nominating, curating that list to begin with. You have candidates who want to be on that list. So these are, you know, whatever topic it is in the case of like that whole Princeton review example be a college would be a candidate that would want to be on that specialized list. And token holders, obviously, uh, curating that. And lastly, consumers who are giving value to that list, the consumers who want to follow that list, who want to uh, obtain high-quality information from that list.
0: Gotcha. And so I think it probably helps just looking at this now and thinking about a TCR, like using an example, uh, because, you know, like you said, there is essentially a a list that people can contribute to. And and there is an element of of having a token incorporated in in that to apparently get the highest quality information possible. Uh, And you guys created this this kind of tool that. Has gotten a lot of interesting traction so far. Uh, called TCR Party. Like, how does that work? And then, how does this go to kind of show what a token curated registry is?
2: Yeah. So TCR Party, first of all, is it's meant to be kind of a troll and just goofy <laughs> experiment, I guess. Um, TCRs have there's yet no to be moon. really. <laughs> there's, there's no when moon. When um, be moon. It's on, yeah. It's on Rinkby, so it's on testnet. Um, so you can get lots of Rinkby tokens. Rinkby is going to be the next Ethereum killer, just FYI. <laughs> but we, so TCRs. The problem is they have yet to be proven when there's real value attached to them. If being part of a top hundred college list is actually worth some monetary amount, we believe that it will end up being gamed by speculators. And so we wanted to do TCR party on the testnet specifically to just. One, see if we can get somewhere that's very toxic like crypto Twitter to start fighting each other for a popularity contest. But also, by keeping no financial rewards tied to it, we can see how it will actually play out and if people will even care about it or use it longer term. So, that was the first piece of it. The other one is blockchain is still kind of an ugly, hard to understand technology. You've got to go and download MetaMask, and then you have to go to Coinbase and set up an account to get some. Ethereum and send it over to MetaMask and then interact with whatever you're trying to do so we wanted to also test the hypothesis of can we bury blockchain Under familiar user interfaces in this case Twitter something people are already familiar with and like to interact with
1: Yeah, and basically on the actual interface uh, The two things the one was the actual, um, you know subjectivity we want to test that that popularity contest element of a TCR so The idea is like, okay, as Jake mentioned, what's more toxic in crypto Twitter? You know, people are incentivized to basically go after each other uh, in terms of if it's truly a list of like 100 top accounts, obviously Bitcoiners wouldn't want ETH heads on, ETH heads wouldn't want Bitcoiners on and so on, kind of creates that kind of, that game element to it. Um, And the second thing, like Jake mentioned, part of TCR party is uh, two bots that essentially handle everything. Uh, One bot is TCR party bot, and that's actually curating the list. So you can have a TCR that's just like a list that's viewable, but Twitter, there's actually a curation element. So what this bot does is it retweets all the accounts that are on the list uh, who have been nominated and confirmed to the list. And the other bot is what you're actually interfacing with as an end user. So you're not, like Jake mentioned, you're not going through MetaMask. You're not telling grandma to buy some Ethereum and then get these tokens and then send these tokens. You're literally just telling the bot what to do. It's handling the transactions on your behalf. It sets up a multi-sig with each user um, to actually sign off on the transactions. And it also provides a hash of the transaction whenever you do anything. So everything you do is actually verifiable on RankBee.
0: Awesome. And so like at a super high level, uh, and I've, I've played around with it a little bit, and I think either I might still be on the list or maybe I've gotten kicked off. I know Neeraj was trying to to kick me off just because he's jealous of, of how uh, solid my Twitter game is. And his has been lacking quite a bit recently. Um, but at a very high level, you can essentially sign up by tweeting out. And the way this works right now, you tweet, I think it's like, at you at the Twitter bot that you have, and you say let's party, and then it sends you a. You have to follow that bot, and then it sends you a DM, and you get a certain number of basically test tokens. And for anybody who isn't familiar to Rinkeby, I think we mentioned that a few times. Rinkeby is one of the test nets on Ethereum, so you can have tokens on Rinkeby. They don't actually hold any value, um, but it goes to kind of show the the economics, or it goes to show uh, maybe how people might utilize this, but. You have a certain number of tokens and then you can vote for people to uh, either stay on the list or you can also vote to kick people off the list utilizing those tokens. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. So after you sign up, um, so first of all, you can nominate people that haven't signed up. But when you sign up by calling the activation phrases TCR party VIP, let's party, that's the catchphrase. Once you do that and follow the bot, then you're rewarded with, I think it's 2000 tokens. And that lets you start challenging people who are on the list or nominating people that you want on the list. And during a nomination or a challenge time, there's voting periods and you can choose to vote. And we've actually already started seeing like some cartels form to help get other people off. <laughs> but, yeah, again, it's it's just meant to play around and see see what happens once it's been used by real people.
1: Yeah. And also, part of the process is whenever you're challenging or nominating or voting, your tokens are actually being locked up and you can lose them. So, if you nominate someone that's challenged and kicked off, you lose those tokens that you nominated with. Um, if you vote on the wrong side, you know, if you vote on the right side, there's like penalties and gains also. There's a, there's a little bit of risk and reward there. Obviously, the one thing we haven't tested yet are the economic assumptions because it's on the testnet, but it's still been fun to play around with because there's still a gamification element and to kind of keep you know, continuing the party, so to speak, let it keep going. Um, there's actually a faucet that people could ha- hit every day um, to get, I think a hundred tokens, um, where a nomination and challenge costs about 500, but you could vote with as little as 50.
0: Awesome.
2: And we, we've also learned a, a lot of things from this. Um, we broke the first iteration of the bot because one of the test nets went down, so we had to redeploy on RinkB. We also broke the Twitter API, we had another user find a bug in the faucet. So he spammed 30,000 tokens for himself and became a whale god and was just challenging (laughs) everyone off the list. So it also, something else we learned over the past year that has been really interesting to see with this is you actually can't just YOLO launch a network 99% of the time. It's going to take iterations. It's, again, I use video games as the analogy. You're going to have to balance certain things as people play around in the environment as we've already had to do, I think three or four times just to make sure the bot doesn't just straight break and become no fun to play.
1: Yeah, and like with that, to, to go to those examples, it was it was actually a bit of a, it was, it was a fun mess, so to speak, because it was on the first day of launch, everyone started playing around with it. And I was with Steve, our lead engineer, who put the thing together. And uh, we were originally on Robston, which is uh, it's a proof of work test net. And one of the largest miners on Robston decided that they were out about three hours into launch, so the timing couldn't have been better. Um, and then Steve was actually about to show up to where we were working with one of his old computers to try to save Robston and start mining it, literally so he can keep getting blocks moving forward. Then we realized we should just deploy to Ringbee just to keep the thing moving. But the problem was when we redeployed the Ringbee, the entire list reset. Um, but thankfully, like, it got traction again, which was good. And then an hour after getting onto Ringbee and redeploying, Twitter got rid of our API write access. So like, just we're beholden to the forces that we've built on, both centralized and decentralized. And we lost our right access because the challenge bot used to tweet out who was challenging who and actually mention them Uh, as like kind of a viral mechanism to get Mm -hmm. people interested. Because even if you weren't signed up for the actual thing, you'd be mentioned and kind of notified of this thing going on, which would incentivize you and be like, "Oh, let me check this out." See them?
0: They'd say, "Love Twitter."
1: Yeah, you can't. Apparently, you know the spam filters have figured out that you can't just keep mentioning people with a bot, or else it kind of screws up. Which is kind of where we added other elements, like uh, so. Now instead of challenges and, and nominations and voting all being done through the actual DM with the bot, you can do it publicly as well to like flame people. So if you want someone to know that you're challenging them, you can do it like in a public tweet, like at TCR Party VIP challenge whoever and not and mention them to like get them going.
0: For sure, and like looking at at how things have gone, I, you know, it's been been a week or so, I think, since since it launched. launched. What have you? What have you guys learned? I guess with the process of of creating this TCR party, has has it taught you anything in particular about token curated registries, about like the cri- uh, crypto incentive ecosystems as a whole? Like, what, what's what's been kind of the biggest takeaway so far for you guys? the
2: The biggest one for me personally is it's kind of interesting to see people actually adding or attributing value to these tokens. They they have no financial value but there's starting to become almost a psychological value where people are making sure to hit the faucet so that they can grab those extra hundred tokens so they can continue partying. And that's just been, <laughs> it's been really fascinating because some of the telegram groups were in people are like, Oh my God, I got to make sure I get my things. Oh my God, save me. I'm being voted off the list. Um, it's just been surprising. I didn't think people would react and it's almost becoming more like a video game in that mentality of like needing to accumulate points and stay active in the in the party.
1: And uh, from my end, it's definitely people love games. Uh, we've seen this with Satoshi's Place. We've seen this with all, you know, all the other small games that have come out to like get people up and running with whatever it is. In Satoshi's Place, it was lightning. In this case, it's like seeing if we could abstract that through Twitter. And um, the other thing I saw, you know, besides the like, gamification, getting a lot of people involved, people that you think would never, ever interact with, a, it's kind of a dap, it's kind of not, it's kind of, centri- I mean, obviously there's a centralization trade off with it, but people you think would never interact with anything blockchain or token related are still doing that by proxy through TCR party. So seeing people who would never interact with these applications actually doing it because it's hidden behind a game and Twitter spots.
0: For sure. And you know, looking at, at this in like a big picture with TCR Party and kind of giving the intro into to Token Curated Registries, for anybody who's like watching or listening right now, what are, you know, cause this is kind of like, this is really almost like a test for you guys. You know, there really isn't any economic value tied to these. You're just kind of trying to understand a little bit on human behavior, a little bit on incentive mechanisms, how this stuff might actually play out in the real world. Um, what projects are, are building Token curated registries, or or what projects already have some element of a TCR, um, and how is this kind of helping you? Maybe learn about how either they should, those are going to be successful or not so successful. Can you talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, one of the one of the projects that's live now is AdChain. And I believe Foam is getting ready. If I don't know if they've, Foam is launched there yeah, yet.
1: FOAM has launched and actually they it's, have launched it's gotten a lot of activity recently. Um, Foam is I think a couple thousand points of interest now from uh, people staking on those points on their TCR.
2: Yeah, and one of the things that kind of led us to want to test TCR Party is AdChain doesn't have a lot of user engagement. And we wanted to test that hypothesis, is it because People don't know what the hell TCRs are, the UI is bad. No, we didn't know. And one of the things with seeing this is that TCRs actually can draw interest and be useful. And I'm wondering, or we are wondering, if it's more of an educational issue. Because part of what we're starting to ideate on in the future of TCR parties, can we actually use this as an education mechanism to slowly inform people about blockchain using something they're familiar with, which is Twitter? And then eventually, One of the ideas we talk about is if we ever did a mainnet deployment is allowing people to pull the tokens into their own wallet when they're ready. Mm -hmm. Because right now it's managed in a multi-sig wallet. The bot handles that on your behalf and acts as a proxy. But longer term, why can't I control my own tokens? And you should be able to.
1: Yeah, and it becomes hard to test economic assumptions simply because there are costs associated with you having a mainnet launch. Um, We've been ideating recently on how to launch something on mainnet because we eventually hope to do that because it'd be kind of fun to like, test more assumptions on top of just being on the testnet. Because um, part of it is when, all the, when the bot actually makes all the transactions, we're handling all the rank B testnet test E from the background and taking care of the gas costs and whatever else is necessary to actually move everything forward.
0: Yeah, it's going to be, it'll be funny if you guys actually are able to, you know, to launch it on mainnet if, how, how that plays out from a TCR perspective and then also kind of if, there's you know a certain value to the tokens or people assign a value to the tokens like one of the things that was kind of a it was a was a it was a bright and shining star for about two days but the eth uh the eth trader donuts um where they (laughs) were you know pretty popular for for a couple days um it was on uniswap uh we had it on airswap for a little bit there were you know it was on a bunch of the decentralized exchanges and people were you know assigning value to basically karma from reddit's ear from eth trader on reddit and actually trading real eth for it which was pretty pretty hilarious to see and then that experiment blew up when people actually realized oh you know you can pretty easily game a lot of these systems and the incentives aren't aligned and we actually didn't mean to do this so it'll be be pretty interesting if you guys are able to launch that on on mainnet and uh people actually assign uh, real economic value to the to the tokens
2: well and that's that's one of the biggest concerns i touched on earlier with tcrs is right now everyone's doing it for the funsies or kind of the social karma of being on this twitter list as soon as you introduce financial value the whole other group that's not interacting with this right now that are the speculators that want to gain the system for financial gain, all of a sudden they're going to be now interested and incentivized to participate. And that's not wrong, but it suddenly changes the whole dynamic of how the TCR is currently being managed. Because again, we, we joke about this all the time that a TCR would be really valuable as like a summer playlist between friends, low stakes, because if someone rips off my song and puts theirs on, it's, it's not really a big deal. But going back to the college rankings, if someone trolls Princeton, that's potentially worth millions of dollars of new students and funding and research that would be going through that, that system for those four years.
1: Yeah, and these things can never prevent madman attacks. So if like yeah. someone who's really wealthy decides to just drop a bomb on this list, whatever it is, they, they can. Nothing's stopping them in this kind of mainnet environment. Um, and yeah, seeing Donut Dance just like go down because it's like, okay, it's gone from building up your Reddit karma, like working to actually get the donuts and then eventually buying the banner to anyone with enough money can literally buy out this ad space, which is what it became. It's like, okay, maybe this wasn't the best idea because the incentives aren't aligned. It went from providing good content to East Trader to just being able to buy the donuts and like just take the banner.
0: Yeah, it was pretty funny to, uh, to watch that play out. And yeah, I think that's also an interesting kind of uh, point, Jake, just as far as, you know, bring speculators into the ecosystem and you know when you have when you go from people that are maybe genuinely genuinely interested in in curating this list to trying to find the next moon in a lambo um (laughs) uh then it's it's definitely different different circumstances for sure Uh, but as far as just like you know token curated registries go i mean is there anything maybe that i didn't cover on on that point that uh that You would like to touch on as well?
2: Nothing specifically. Um, Again, this is everything we're doing in this space is all brand new. We're a bunch of people blind and amazed trying to figure this out. And I just want to see if there is value there. We've actually talked about putting some other games with, uh, we don't want to be Ethereum dogmatic. We want to be blockchain agnostic, meaning. We want to test these these primitives or these concepts on other blockchains. Rocco actually has been toying with an idea of doing like a Flappy Bird clone, but on the Lightning Network, where every time you flap, it adds a point to your score, just like Flappy Bird. But then if you want to post your high score, you would have to pay those Satoshis. And then at the end of some time period, there'd be like a lottery or the top three accounts would get the, the reward pool out of the Satoshis. Again, nothing like you're not going to get rich off of it. But just testing, can you hide certain pieces of blockchain and make it interactive and fun?
1: Yeah, and I got upset because I just saw that someone posted on uh, Twitter. It was like a really crappy version of what I was thinking of. I think they did it on, uh, you know, Craig Wright Bitcoin flavor. Uh, (laughs) He did it on SV and it's like just that, but it just kind of looked off. But I'm still kind of down to do that as an experiment. Um, As for the learnings and the one other thing about TCRs is that TCRs will always be Inextricably beholden to the attention economy. Uh, if people aren't paying attention to these things, they will just ultimately fail. Um, I guess the economic incentives may, you know, help that, but it may not at the same time. Considering the current state of tokenization and, and token markets, because they're a bit of a mess, um, but you can have issues of registry poisoning, where it's like you know you have someone on this list who just degrades in quality over time, and there might not be enough people like paying attention to the actual list to do anything about it. That's a big problem is like okay the reason why we started with twitter even with this experiment is people are always on twitter in this space there's always a million people checking their twitter every day and that bot is just in their face because if you follow the bot too you're seeing who's being retweeted and the second that something crappy comes up on that list you're hyper aware of it because it's already integrated into something you're doing daily it's not this list that you're checking for a specific function it's a list that's just integrated in this daily activity which kind of keeps the attention there, which is why Twitter is such an interesting tool to actually test this primitive.
2: The the other thing off that is curation fatigue. We This one hasn't been tested, but right now everyone's playing with it. They want to be on the list because it's popularity, but let's go out two, three, four, five months. Do people want to continuously curate a list? Because I my hypothesis or what I argue is that Most people don't want to do that. We're all kind of lazy. We'd rather someone spoon feed us the answers to things or do the hard work of aggregating for us. And if someone's willing to do that aggregation and I like the aggregation, then I'd be more than happy to reward them with my attention or tokens or whatever the mechanism is. But I I still question long term if you can have a publicly curated list, because I think it's going to end up defaulting to a very select few that actually care the most about putting in the hard work.
0: Yeah. I think that's it's it's really interesting to to think about, too. And I'm trying to come up with like an accurate comparison almost. But it's like if you have like a top if you have like a, a top ten restaurant list in in the world or like a top 50 restaurant list in the world. And, you know, that gets curated. Like how many times does 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 somebody kind of you know think about that? It's probably once a year, once every other few years. Whereas if you are just like leaving reviews on specific restaurants you have those Yelp psychos that leave like a review on every single freaking restaurant that they go to eat at. Uh, but that's not really, that's kind of like, that's not really a token. That's not like really a TCR. That's just kind of uh, you know, that's kind of just an individualized review for one specific place. Um, but I think that's, that's a good point. Cause I can, I can kind of see in some cases now with, with TCR party, like, you know, it, it takes, maybe it takes a few weeks or a few months or whatever it might be for, for people to, if it catches on for people to like like okay this is like a pretty good list of of the people that we want on this and then you know maybe the interest fades away because there's either the incentives aren't there for people to continually curate that list or whatever it might be but outside of i would say like outside of of pcrs you guys have have worked in the crypto space um at least in for you know in the crypto space for for quite a while formally and informally um and I know you both do a ton of just research um, and have always done a ton of research. Uh, looking at just like the trends in the cryptocurrency world in the past year, I'll I'll pose this question to to both of you and we'll start off with, um, Greg, you can start off with this one, but what, what trend in cryptocurrency has impressed you the most in the past year? Like what has been maybe the most pleasant surprise as far as just the cryptocurrency ecosystem has has been for you in the past year. Uh,
1: I guess beside the Kobe Bryant Justin just Sun collaboration,
0: uh, TRX <laughs> moon baby. I think protocol.
1: Don't forget aggregation. Larry
2: King and Gear
1: Blockchain. Oh, that was the absolute worst. That's another story. Uh, basically, I think the one thing that's been on my mind recently um, has been, uh, I guess, protocol aggregation to, you know. Protocol aggregation to form meaningful applications. So, thinking about Vail, the application that's building on top of Augur and 0x. So, it's essentially providing an excellent front end for people wishing to participate in Augur markets and then using 0x to trade derivatives off those markets. And it's just basically abstracting those two protocols in a meaningful way. And providing this excellent-looking front end for people to actually use, creating usable products on top of these protocols. We had our fun with all these protocols, doing a million different things, but now it's time to see these kinds of applications that are kind of combining them and providing value on top of them in a meaningful way. And I think Veil vale really hits the mark for me, and it's something I'm paying attention to closely
2: uh, right now. Cool. Yeah, I um So I think Veil is fascinating. I agree with Rocco on that one, and it's. Hitting on the theme of just abstracting away, most people that use the internet—they go to Facebook or Google to watch cat videos, see what their friends are up to. They know it's connected by a series of tubes called the internet. They don't—they don't care. And I think blockchain is going to be the same. But what I really think is the most interesting is it's the levels or the degrees. You know, a lot of blockchain hotheads a year ago were you're either blockchain or not, and that's all there could be: total control or no control but I'm starting to see more of a spectrum where if you want total control, control your private keys, you send the money. Well, that absolute control and privacy comes with risks. If you send it to the wrong address you lose your money, there's no refunds. There's no credit card. The exchange ads. owner does the exchange owner dies. <laughs> the <laughs> the owner million and, million dollars. and
0: maybe ha- eat some bad food and is actually in Malaysia. Who knows? I don't
2: know. Hanging out with Tupac somewhere. Yes. But th- that's, that comes with a cost but then if you're willing to say well listen if someone like veil vale is taking away the pain points of a 26 day settlement time for augur in exchange for a 1% fee i can make that choice kind of like gender is no longer just binary it's a spectrum of attributes i think blockchain's going to be the same thing you can have might no trigger control. some
0: people of that one
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm a gender nonconformist <laughs> Um, But I think it's going to be this idea where if you want to go absolute maximum privacy and security and control, you can have it with the risks that are entailed. But if you're willing to give up some of that control, maybe you're allowed insurance policies or refunds or chargebacks or whatever it is. You don't have to deal with an ugly private key and you can sign in with your email address instead. That's the thing I'm starting to see slowly transition where it doesn't have to be this absolute. And I really like that. Yeah, and you
1: have basically this transition from centralization, if you'd like to, because there's still meaningful services to meaningful decentralization. So it's just decentralized enough to give you that enough control, but still centralized and provide a good experience, or the full, full blockchain, full self sovereign experience.
0: Never go full blockchain.
1: <laughs> I have my cold wallet, you know, my my brain wallet that I will die with, kind of thing.
0: Oh God. <laughs> and so, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Um, what were you really excited about last year, maybe at this point in time, or just excited about in the past in regards to cryptocurrency that you've either kind of totally lost faith in um, or just think has not panned out like you thought it would? Maybe we can start with you, Greg. Oh,
1: man, I'm. it's definitely something I have to think about. Uh,
0: Besides your and my R chain bags, That's, we're going to exclude that from the we're going to exclude ROHC from, from the equation here.
1: No, I, I actually, no, that's actually, that's a good point. And hold that I, rock all the that, way to the bottom, baby. Yeah. I, I, I suffered
0: tremendous
1: full disclosure. Yeah, I suffered tremendously on that, but I thought the co-op itself was a very interesting experiment in social governance. turns out it ended up being a, a crap show and bad management of funding. Um, it's, it's, it's a shame really because, uh, it looks to be meaningful. It looked kind of nice. You know, There was a huge community. I remember going to Archon two, I went to Archon three, it still looked pretty good. And then it just collapsed in on itself. Um, and it's really unfortunate to kind of see that I've kind of just ignored it. I kind of closed the, close the, <laughs> the, closed the book on that, you know, after that chapter. And now I've just moved on to whatever. If, whatever if you I'm bury your now.
0: head in the sand enough, when you think about how much money you lost on our chain, it doesn't hurt as bad actually it still hurts but it's it's fun to
2: just laugh about
1: it and cry when no
2: one's looking i've been i've been i guess not surprised but i guess a little disappointed with how hilariously mismanaged some of these teams have been with their financials you know just taking not just our chain but just so many projects raising so much money and then just kind of pulling a fire festival and being, I don't know what happened. I just, $35 million, it's just gone. Uh, Sorry, guys. Like, no, they can't even account for it. It's just gone. And it's just hilarious. And then the other one is seeing some projects spin up that are just like, oh, yeah, we're the same as you, but no token. I'll call out Uniswap as a perfect example. It's Bancor without a token or $150 million. And it's effectively doing the same thing.
1: That is, This is exact, that it's definitely what I would love to just mention earlier that I forgot about is displacement arrows with tokens. It's like, you know, Bancor you raised $150 million on a couple lines of code because you made a fancy bonding curve and decided that grass that should have been for the liquidity reserve of all these bonding curves. But Uniswap's like, screw that. We're just going to take this idea and do it, in a, do it in a meaningful way with no friction. And there you go. And now the Bancor team's busy working on another ICO on EOS. So
0: yeah that's uh i think that's a good point it's really interesting too when you look at there's there's and you guys have spent i think a ton of time probably more so than 99 percent of people looking at at tokens um the necessity of tokens where they might be required or where they might actually have value accrue value things like that but looking at the kind of how the market is developed i think you know there was a lot of there was a lot of hope there was a lot of hype uh And some of it seemed to make sense potentially at the time, um, where some of it was just good ideas wrapped in tokens, whatever it might be. But now you're starting to see, you know, certain projects like kind of either transition from whether maybe it was initially, you know, capturing fees. And now it's, you know, these are governance tokens. And um, what what have you thought just in particular about like how some, you know, some projects... Might be like moving from kind of transitioning how their 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 token economics or just the, the the incentive models behind their tokens have worked. Has that been something you've been keeping an eye on? Is that something that's interesting to you guys?
2: It there still aren't a ton of projects that have, which is really sad, that have actually made it to mainnet with users in the original way that they scoped. Um, I mean, I. I got to be careful, but as much as I love Gnosis, they've built everything except their prediction market. And what they've built is awesome. Their their wallet's arguably one of the best. The Dutch X exchange is beautiful, but outside of them, Augur and a few others, it's it's just interesting to see either nothing or some of these projects are actually even starting to do refunds and like buybacks. Was it uh, co-founded? I think yeah. did a buyback and is converting it to a security token. Which I think is big of them. Economy
0: too, I think. I think uh, co might yeah, just be might just be saying we're 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 out. And I think economy is the one that's
2: converting. Into creative.
1: Society. Yeah, I co-founder did the creative destruction thing. They are one of my futility tokens.
2: Which you know, going to your point, it's a good idea wrapped in a token. It's it's just interesting to see the psychology changing now that you can't just throw spaghetti on the wall and make fifty million dollars. It's. <laughs> <laughs> and the next big thing is obviously going to be you guys over at AirSwap working with uh, security tokens. Yeah. I'm super interested to see that. But even that, it's if you're pragmatic about it, it's going to take, what, two to three more years before you get... You have to get the issuance. You have to get the regulatory yeah. clearance. Then you have to get the trading systems up. You have to handle all the KYC. It's, it's not just going to happen. And then you've got to get people to build trust in it as well.
0: Yeah, One that's- of- I, I think just even looking at, like, the space in general, one of the things that's been interesting is just, like, how long things really do take uh, and how little patience uh, that people have. Like, even, like, going to the example of Augur and Vale, like, when Augur came out, like, people were, I think, were really excited and, like, thought, okay, like, this has been something that's been worked on for, like, three, maybe even, I think it was, like, four plus years uh and it had like very little traction initially on the first day it had very little traction it even faded more so and now it's kind of slowly picking up some steam um and you're seeing that I think with a lot of these other like just quote unquote daps or whatever they might be or just anything that has some like involvement with uh with blockchain technology or cryptocurrencies like it just takes like five times longer than people either were pitching or anticipated
1: yeah, people want 4K TVs in the time of, like, you know, tube televisions. Yeah. And, uh, the, yeah, that's the thing. Like, hunger's taking multiple years to build a maker that everyone's excited about. That's also taking multiple years. Yeah. And people want delivery within a couple of months. And to touch on what we were talking about just a little earlier, um, the problem is even the teams that ship these things... Uh, A team member of ours put out a post talking about token models as water wheels. And I think it's a fascinating analogy because all these token models, one of their biggest critical assumptions is demand, is sufficient demand. And a lot of their, all their magical math formulas, they all assume this sufficient demand function that there's gonna be people lining up to use this product. And his whole thing is, you know, you've built this incredible water wheel, it looks great, it's gonna work so well in an area with no water to actually move the damn thing. So it's, it's two, it's the problem is two pronged. It's this multi-year delivery time. So August finally launched and the, you know, the reporters are working as intended makers working, they're having their votes to see, you know, a bunch of money locked up in CDPs it took multiple years. And it's also going to take a lot of demands to actually move the needle.
2: Yeah. And one of the things I want to mention is, you know, traditional startup 101 theory says, don't, don't just field of dreams. It don't build it and hope to God people come. You have to go out and do customer development, talk to people build build a widget, go back to your customers. Do you like it? Do you hate it? Let's iterate, build it a little more, get some more customers. And that kind of got forgotten with the heyday of a white paper and 50 million bucks, for, understandably. But that's one of the things that I'm glad to see starting to happen. And it sucks that it came about with people losing money and people getting fired. But again, I, I'm of the belief that networks need to be incubated and they're going to start centrally controlled. Even TCR Party, going back to that, we had things we assumed and people broke it. And then we had to step back and fix it and redeploy it. And I think Augur actually got that very right. They had a big red button that they could shut things down until assassination markets came online. And they were like, oh, here's the red button. We don't have it anymore. But they kept control of it long enough for an emergency hatch so they could go in and tweak things until it was sufficiently developed and tested in real life with people that they felt comfortable to actually, you know, let it free as it were.
0: Yeah. I think those are all, those are all pretty interesting points. And it's been, I mean, at least for me, it's been like fascinating to watch just the, the market evolve and the different like narratives at play as well. It's like from last year, I mean, even, I mean, not just last year, like last, you know, last February was a different ball game than it wasn't in, in July of, of 2017 and in June of 2017 uh, and things like that. When that was like really like peak, oh my God, all these tokens are going to be utilized, you know, so thoroughly and they're all going to, you know, capture incredible economic value and this, that, and the other thing. And then, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a changing narrative every day. And even with like some of the the broader um, protocols or like, you know, you have just how the narrative has changed with Bitcoin and how the narrative has changed with Ethereum. Now, you know, Ethereum was the decentralized computer of the world in 2017. And now, you know, it's, Sure, shit, not a decentralized world computer, but now it's DeFi or Open Finance or whatever anybody wants to call it, and now Bitcoin is is now kind of firmly looking at at the Lightning Network as as that point to enable greater adoption, things like that. It's been been fun to watch that stuff. As far as uh, you know, anything maybe we didn't cover today, too. Like, is there anything happening right now? with the just the the crypto ecosystem as a whole that you're looking at as as a trend to watch in the future Um, anything that you really have your eye on that is you know outside of of veil and looking at the abstraction of some of these protocols i think that was a really good point Um, but in addition to that is there anything that, that you really have an eye on as far as you know could be potentially very impactful for the industry in the future or or maybe not so much but you still have an eye on it
2: um, so I have two things that come to mind. The the first one is enterprise is they're being a little gun shy because they did a bunch of overpriced POCs that didn't go anywhere, but they were subjected to the same hype as everyone else. They were just let's throw spaghetti and $5 million at this and see what the hell happens without understanding where blockchains useful. So I'm starting to see enterprises be more tactical about their deployment of blockchain initiatives. And I I guess I kind of think of it as how the internet formed. It's going to be a bunch of semi-private consortia blockchain networks that are going to form intranets. And eventually they're going to have public chains where they're willing to share information, which became the internet. And then that'll help drive ecosystem growth because let's face it, enterprises in an up or down economic turn, they have money and they have users. Two of the most important things you need to deploy new technologies. The other thing is um, Southeast Asia. One of our team members was just recently over there, and it's a little bit like the Wild West because in terms of infrastructure, they're not as built up. And I'm not talking like China or Japan, but they're just not as built up. So they're willing to test a lot more technologies because they don't have existing infrastructure or regulations to deal with. And what you're seeing is they're just grafting digital currencies, not not blockchain currencies but just digital currencies onto pretty much everything. There's an app over there called Grab that's basically Uber equivalent, but they've grafted on their own currency called GrabCash, and they act as a one-way ATM. You can literally go into a Grab car, give the driver some of the pesos that you have, and they will deposit it to your account for you to then use somewhere else. And then some of the big malls are using something called Gcash. And if you use Gcash, you get a 10% discount on your pricing. For whatever you're purchasing in these malls and again it's not powered by blockchain but they're just looking at ways to take existing network effects either ride sharing or malls or whatever and just start throwing things on there because there's no clear regulation so it's much easier to see if it works and if it doesn't then you accept that it's now illegal and you move to the next thing (laughs) so i think you're going to see and i don't mean that as a bad thing but i think you're going to see a lot of innovation coming from these growing economies, where they're like, "Oh, blockchain seems pretty cool, and we don't have to deal with the existing framework of this, that, or the other. Let's see what happens."
0: What about you, Rocco?
1: My end, it's uh, it's been fun to watch Lightning grow, especially with the recent Lightning Torch on uh, Twitter and Jack getting involved. Obviously, he has the What about, the what in what
0: about and, uh, to the biggest involvement today? I don't know if you saw this, but somebody passed the the torch to Justin Sun, which is. Oh my And he God. followed it up with a few BTT, TRX, hashtags oh, to, you know, God. obviously Lightning Network and Tron, BitTorrent go hand in hand, but yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my God, I didn't
0: even see this. This just happened. Go on his Twitter, it was today. Now it's like
2: throwing up. Ultimate power move if he converts all the Satoshis to Tron and then passes a Tron torch.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, just, just as a quick aside, this is great. Um, Satoshis on Tron are known as Suns. They're, instead of Sats, they're called Sons.
1: Oh my God!
0: You will the live fucking on. party, boys.
1: <laughs> Forever. <laughs> this is it's a it's it's like a I feel like Tron is just a fun little dystopian experiment of how far can you get followers down the rabbit hole and how much control can you assume as a uh, leader? Isn't Justin also one of the super representatives? Uh, he's, like, little, he's like he's like forty
0: percent of the super representatives. <laughs> Something ridiculous. If you Google yeah, it, it's yeah. like some crazy number of like.
2: But I I will say what's interesting about like Tron in the narrative is they have some of the most used DApps in the entire ecosystem. If you check out like DAP Radar and the ones where they're measuring all of them, they have a decent amount of relatively a, a decent amount of users. So
1: it's all, it's a lot of gambling apps. I think it usually starts when yeah. Chain starts. And EOS have a similar thing, and I think it's a lot easier to sibble these things too. I think I'm not that's sure true. if Tron is a zero cost, but EOS. The thing is, you have a zero cost basis for actually interacting with these things. But um, that's that's a whole different rabbit hole. But yeah, uh, the, I, go back you're, to you're lightning. Also, you're also
0: not allowed to say nice things about Tron on this on this podcast here, Jake. So you you might have to find that door behind you and pop we... <laughs> out.
1: Well, sorry for yeah, interrupting it's... on
0: on lightning. We'll we'll go back to the original point of Rocco saying that uh, he was watching Lightning as something interesting in the future, because I took that off in a tangent.
1: No, that's okay. This is very important, because I didn't know Justin Sun got the torch, and now it's making me a little angry. But um, listen, it's permissionless. You want to send the torch to whoever you send it to, whoever, but uh, just the fascinating thing of Jack actually actually taking the torch, and uh, you know someone joked around that they made Twitter 280 characters so you could put a, uh, a Lightning payment receipt in there or an invoice in there. Um, and also, Jack, I think there's a podcast recently with him yeah. and Elizabeth Stark, and it's like not a question of when, uh, not a question of if, it's a question of when with an integration in, uh, of Lightning and Square Cash.
0: Yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting to watch. Um, if I mean, if that's the Cash app, and then also too, I mean, if you're looking at retail store or like, I mean, retail or actual like brick and mortar commerce, like, there's anybody equipped to. Really handle like wide scale distribution for onboarding Bitcoin payments. I mean, it's it's Square, not even a cash app, just Square's POS systems in every freaking hipster coffee store in in New York. So um, yeah, that's uh, and obviously a lot of other places as well. But I think that'll be 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 cool to to keep an eye on as well.
1: I mean, the main narrative that comes to mind when when it comes to stuff like that is like, were people willing to also spend Bitcoin as well? Mm. Considering that it's become such a powerful store of value in digital gold, would you use it to buy a cup of coffee? It's great that we'll have the rail, but will people be using it is my question.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, that's, I I talked about that last night and I think that's like the big question. And there was, there was a telegram group where I think a, a couple of people are talking and arguing about it. And I kind of side on the fact that I, even if there is like beautiful, like if Square provides just a beautiful on-ramp to spend Bitcoin, I feel like most people are still looking at it either as a speculative investment or a potential store of value. And you know, do you really want to, you know, to buy a, a latte with, with Bitcoin that could potentially be worth 10 lattes in the future? Who knows? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the million dollar question.
2: Latte coin.
0: Probably probably in existence. Awesome. Well, I appreciate both of you guys uh, coming on. Uh, I will have links to both of your Twitter profiles in the YouTube and podcast descriptions. Uh, But as far as just what anybody can keep an eye on for what you guys are doing, um, anywhere where folks can keep an eye on TCR Party and what you guys are doing at Alpine as well?
2: Yeah, our our main website is alpineintel.com. And then if you want to follow uh, TCR Party development, it's just TCR.party. And we've got a leaderboard and development updates as we're working on that product.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for the time, guys. Appreciate it. And Hope you guys have a good one.
1: Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, thank you, man.